Our scripture today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1, a very simple uh, verse as we kind of launch into a new series called How to Pray. One day, Jesus was praying, because he did it all the time. He was praying in a certain place, because it wasn't particularly important where he was at. And when he finished prayer, one of his disciples, it doesn't even really matter which one, said to him this, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then the Lord taught them the Lord's Prayer. In all of our recorded scriptures, there's only one question that the disciples really asked with intention. They never asked Jesus, hey, can you teach us to preach like you? They never asked him, can you teach us to heal like you, though he would. They asked him, can you teach us to pray like you? Because there was something in the way Jesus prayed that even the disciples said was the power source of his ministry the intimacy, and as they watched over three years the ministry of Jesus and the unfolding of his grace, it was his prayer life that they said, that's the gateway to the life that we so long. So over the next six weeks, we're diving into a new series called Lord Teach Us to Pray, and that'll be our series of Lent prayer, and it's going to be based starting really next week on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, kind of week by week, we'll be unpacking each clause of the Lord's Prayer. But it's, it's, it starts today with an introduction. This very simple but uh, essential practice that as we learn to pray, we learn to find our life. We learn to find our identity we learn to find our voice. We learn to make a home with our desire. We learn how we connect one to another. Jesus said the gateway to all of that is through prayer. And the reality is that all of us do have questions about prayer. But research shows that prayer is one of the most commonly practiced activities of Americans, not just Christian Americans, of all Americans. So according to research, that uh, only 22% of Americans go to church on the, on the weekly basis, but over 55% of Americans pray at least daily. That's incredible. That even though, uh, you know, 20% go to church, over 55% are praying daily. Over 21% say they pray weekly or monthly. Even among those who said they're religiously unaffiliated, 20% say they pray daily. Now, that's super interesting for us as a Christian nation. Now, those are people that are praying in any form, fashion. We're going to talk about that in the weeks ahead. But there's, a, there's an entry point there. Because for a lot of, a lot of our friends and neighbors and, and colleagues and people on the street, and, and people are curious about prayer. Prayer isn't just for the holy ones. It's for us all. And in this regard, prayer becomes a gateway towards evangelism because people are looking for resources on how to pray. We might call it meditation, or we might call it different things, but what Jesus called it is prayer. I've been reading this great book on prayer that I'd highly recommend if you want to learn more from uh, a new book by Tyler Statton called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. I'm going to share a couple quotes today, but I've been deeply inspired and convicted about the role of prayer for our life as a church, and it's some of the why of this series because I hunger for our prayer lives to change here. So then just like, well, we did John, and then we're going to do James. You guys kind of pop around. Like, I might say this again, so, you know, bear with me. But I want to say right now, like, this is the most important thing God has for us as a community right now. Like, more than feeding homeless people on Aurora, Scott, like, have you heard about the, you know, the unhoused cries? More than sending missionaries? Like, 
All of it's really good. But prayer is where Jesus wants us to start. Because it's in prayer that we find ourselves and find our deep connection, Lord, that becomes the seedbed of all of our missional activities, of all of our intimacy in our relationships, of all of our connection in worship to God. It begins in prayer. Staten in his book says, God's not looking uh, for well-prepared speeches spoken from perfect motives. God isn't grading essays in prayer. He's just talking to his children. Or as Lewis said, in prayer, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Prayer is that liminal space between heaven and earth where we contend for reconciliation for all the glory of God. And so when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, they are saying they understood even in the day-to-day interaction of Christ, the prayer was central to their growth as disciples of Jesus and as humans. Lord, will you teach us to pray? And so that hunger that was whispered to Jesus 2,000 years ago, we pick up and walk out as a church over the next six weeks. And their question mark of Jesus, will you teach us this? It makes sense. Because for thousands of years, as God's people, we've been asking questions. What happens when I pray? What what happened when I pray and it didn't turn out the way I wanted? Where do I pray in such a way that I will have a power source beyond my day-to-day reality? How do I pray for somebody who doesn't seem to change? How do I pray into situations that feel stuck? We'll be We'll be walking through that in the weeks ahead. We're not going to have an easy answer today. But we're going to begin discussing what it is that Jesus modeled. Because when Jesus taught us to pray, he modeled a gateway. A gateway to the life of being fully human as connected to his life as God. And so, for six weeks, week by week, we're going to be unpacking the Lord's Prayer We're going to be unpacking and kind of inviting us as a community. And we'll even, during Holy Week, which is the seven days leading up to Easter, we will enter in between all six of Bethany locations, a 24-7 prayer movement. Virtually, because we don't have a central location, but we'll invite all six locations and the thousands of people who call this church home to grab an hour. And that we will practically cover all 167 hours of those seven days between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday to be praying for God to move in the lives of our friends and our families and our neighbors. So we're really excited about the season ahead. And our big idea today is simply this, that the gateway from the life we live to our hopes and dreams for the future is prayer. It's the gateway. So we're going to just unpack these five simple words from Luke 11, 1, Lord, teach us to pray as we kind of dive into this new series. First, this. Start with this, Lord. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, they begin very importantly with this word, Lord. The Greek word for Lord is this word, kurios, which means Lord, master, leader, the one who has authority. And so for us, in a world that tells us often that there is no Lord or that authority is totally up to whatever we feel on, that, on the daily basis, there's an invitation to make Jesus Lord again. When we pray, we put Jesus as the Lord of our life. If we have no Lord, we have no need for prayer. But if we have a Lord, our life is marked by prayer. To say you're a Christian, to say you're curious even about Jesus, is to embark in a deepening prayer journey. 
to be marked, not just what you think about prayer, because we talk about this a whole lot, but how you actually pray. When Jesus himself didn't say, oh, just try to pray, or if you pray, whenever Jesus talked about prayer, he used this word, when. When you pray, Jesus said, as a precondition for following him, when you pray, believe that your father knows what you need, but he still loves for you to reach out to him. He's a God of relationship after all. So Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. It's done. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, there it is the third time, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, which is kind of a Greek practice at that time. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. No, don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Subtext. But he still wants you to ask him. He wants to lord you. He wants to lead you. And how do we do that? We have a deepening prayer journey. Still, we must pray. To be God followers are to be people marked with prayer to be continually on a a journey of proficiency for not just thinking about prayer, but being people who actually pray. The Bible lists over 650 prayers in the pages of the Bible with over 450 recorded answers to prayer. Find that a really helpful uh, percentage. The Bible is relentless about marking even Jesus' prayers, that there's the Jesus, he, he, he prays at his baptism in Mark 1. He prays in the morning, most mornings, before he goes to Galilee, say in Luke 5. He prays before he heals people. He prays all night before choosing his 12 disciples. Jesus prays when speaking to Jewish leaders. Jesus prays and gives thanks to Father before feeding the 5,000. Jesus prays before walking on the water. Jesus prays before healing the deaf and the mute man. Jesus gives thanks and prays before feeding 4,000. Jesus prays at the transfiguration, at the return of the 70, at the teaching of the disciples before raising the Lazarus, before he lays hands on the children. He's just, he's just always praying. But I, I don't always pray. I want to feed 5,000. I, I want to heal. Like I, I read these pages like, oh, if I could just you know, have a ministry like that, have an impact, like have a, see, see God move like that. But when you really unpack the ministry of Jesus, it's prayer that sets the stage for the miraculous. And Jesus was God. And so there's this invitation that our lives should be continually marked by prayer. Oh, we do that, Scott. We, we pray. Maybe not you know, before every meal, but before some meals. We, we pray in the morning or we pray in the evening. And so I know that we are doing this, but there's an invitation to continue to become a praying church, and a praying church prays. When people are hurting, we pray. When people are rejoicing, we pray. When people need a miracle, we pray. When people have given up on a miracle, we pray. Because it's in prayer that we make God the Lord of our lives. The starting point has always been Lord. And to say Lord means we come to the end of ourselves and we're ready to really put our trust in God finally. And in that way, prayer is the gateway to moving ourselves from the throne of life to putting our faith fully in the Lord. Uh, Staten says this, in a society losing interest and growing suspicious of the church, 
prayer isn't going anywhere. According to reliable research, more Americans will pray in a given week than will exercise, drive a car, have sex, go to work, any way you measure it. Prayer is bigger than the church, and it's not even close. Everyone prays, everyone always has, and there's no end in sight. And so for that, that means for us as a church that we should be leaning in and equipping. And when people come in, like, well, they're a praying church. But for some of us, and I'll say even at times for me, we need an awakening that prayer isn't repetitive or boring, that prayer is where God calls us back to being the Lord of our lives. That we would say these things in the midst of our anxiety and our hurts and our pains, Lord, teach us to pray. God, in our anxiety, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, in my cancer, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, in my struggles with our kids or our parents or our friends or our spouse or in our dating life, Lord, teach me to pray that we would be marked with that kind of belief that prayer is where God wants to be our Lord. I was reading my prayer journal over the last week, and I said it uh, to Heather afterwards, like, I felt super self-conscious. I'm like, I sound really whiny in my prayer journal. I write out my prayers every day. I'm like, is this really me? Like, I, I want to be stronger. I want to be mightier. I want to be David the giant killer. I want to have that... My prayer journal is marked with just messiness. And I was, I, I was praying a couple weeks ago, and in my prayer I was in this kind of scene where I was imagining myself on the sea, and the Lord comes in on a boat, and I'm praying, and, and it's chaotic, and there's people all around kind of criticizing. I was having one of those whiny prayer moments, but I was bringing it to the Lord. And in my, uh, in, in my prayer, like the, the, the boat was like sitting, you know when you bring a small skiff into the, the beach and then the waves are coming and then it's kind of slamming on the beach and rocking and oftentimes it can feel like a kind of a dangerous spot to get into the boat when it's on the beach. Any, any of you have had that experience? We're all Pacific Northwesterners, you can imagine. So the boat is on the beach, Jesus is in the boat. I'm sitting there kind of criticizing Jesus about all this really chaotic sea because the waves are crashing and the boat's banging and whatever. And I'm like, why won't you help? And Jesus says these words to me. He's like, you have to get in first. I was like, oh. And then as I stepped into the boat, same waves, same critical voices on the beach, same chaos, but near the presence of Jesus, near my Lord, I felt my anxiety dissipate. So to the Lord teach us to pray Jesus wants to be our Lord again. And he is for so many of us. Like this, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing it. Why are you judging me? I'm not. There's just this invitation in this series to be a praying church, to be doing this every single day. Because when the fear comes and the anxiety and the criticism and the conflict, Lord, teach me to pray. The second thing about prayer that feels important in this introduction is these words from the disciples teach us. I mean, they're kind of the experts in Jesus' life. They've been spending a couple of years with them now, and it's interesting in Luke 1 that they don't even name which disciples said this, because in regards to, to Luke, at least, it didn't matter. But we need to be hungry. To be people that are becoming a praying church, we need to be hungry for God to, to teach us, to deepen us, to, to move us. The Greek word here for teach us is this word didasko, which means to give instruction or to be led or to help us learn or to make us better. So there's a journey. Every single one of us is like, well, I'm not on the prayer team. I'm not on staff. I'm not a youth leader. I'm not like, no, this is our journey to take together. Lord, teach us, didasko us, 
make us better. Help us become a praying church. What Paul said to the Thessalonians is this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that just is like, none of us are there yet. None of us pray continuously. None of us have this, you know, ability to give thanks in all circumstances. None of us. And so we need to be led as a praying church to hunger for more robust prayer life. That when we sit too long in our conflict, anxieties, hurts, pains, anything we're suffering, that that gap between that and prayer, Jesus said, there's an opportunity. Believe that I want to do something in your life, but I'm going to want you to be hungry. When you, when you hunger for more of me, you have the ability to grow. Now, some of the context for Paul's letter in Thessalonians is important to go back a few verses. Paul writes this. He says, you're all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake. Let us be sober-minded. What Paul's saying here is like, oh, you're, to become a praying people, just remember that this is your identity, the hungry ones who belong to the Father heart of God. And as you share that desire, God says, ah, now I can work with you because you're hungry to teach you about my heart, to teach you what I have in this situation, to teach you what I have with this health diagnosis, to teach you about life. And there's just a huge opportunity. Staten again. Most Christ followers spend far more hours turning over anxious thoughts than surrendering them in prayer. Guilty, for sure, guilty. Why don't we pray more? I mean, we're busy. Certainly we're anxious, we're distracted. We're unsure if it matters. We've prayed before and God didn't move in the way we thought. So maybe we're scared to get our hopes up. But there's this invitation to be more hungry, even when we're uncertain. In his book, Praying Like Monks, Staten continues, you and I have been groomed by a post-enlightenment story of deconstruction that doesn't trust God anymore, but has plenty of reasons not to trust people either. And so the result is multiple generations of people who find safety in pretending they don't need either one. I can trust myself, guide myself, be enough for myself. We've avoided becoming naive, but we've done it at the cost of becoming overwhelmed. The story that was supposed to free us is really just swapping jail cells. But when we're hungry for God to take the jail cell of my fear, of judgment from other people, of words of condemnation that have been levied against me, of, of places I've been hurt from others... And it's a hunger that sets us free. And church, this is what we're on the journey for. A praying church that wants to be moving out of jail cells into the life of Christ. Prayer is the gateway towards that. That's why prayer, prayer matters so much. And it's often different than we expect. And God's timing will be different than ours. And so over these weeks ahead, we're going to wrestle with a little bit. What does it mean when we're sitting on unanswered prayers? or unfixed pain, or unresolved conflict. Prayer is the gateway. And what's really interesting here, and we hope to unpack this in the weeks ahead too, prayer not only is a gateway towards what God's going to do in the future, it helps us in the presence understand more of God's peace. 
There's a lot of research out there in the neuro-faith world about how prayer rewires us. One of the leaders of this is a friend of Heather's, Kurt Thompson. She's going next week to spend time with him, who wrote a lot about shame and about prayer. And he had this devotion that Heather shared with her family for Lent. super important and powerful. But it kind of speaks to how faith, and in prayer in particular, kind of rewires us to help us understand more of the peace that awaits in God's presence. Thompson writes, our deepest desires are one that when we sense them being met in even the slightest way, when we catch but a glimpse of them, only call, call for more of what we have just had, more kindness, more joy, more connection, more empathy, more of the sense of feeling felt, more satisfaction at doing something, creating something beautiful that took a lot of hard work, more of what it feels like when we repair a rupture of a relationship gone wrong, more generosity, more humility, more transformation through being vulnerable, more peacemaking in the face of potential for violence, more attention to being loved and less attention to my shame that I fear will imprison me forever. More, as it turns out, of Jesus. Prayer is the gateway towards a world that's hungry for more of Jesus and can't even name it, and the tool of connection between our lived experience here and the presence of God in the future. What's really interesting for me, and we'll be doing this journey over the weeks ahead, is to figure out that prayer isn't something that we lay on to people as a guilt trip, but as an invitation, because people desire, particularly in their pain and conflict, to understand more of God, and prayer, it, is an opportunity. I'll tell you, from serving out on the junction, we ran the coffee shop, we did a weekly min, uh, ministry breakfast for seven years, every week out on Aurora. Many of you helped serve there. I'm looking at Kay, she was out there almost every week. You're a warrior. In all my years out there feeding people, and I wasn't out a fraction of what Kay did, so this isn't a flex on but I always ask people, could I pray with you? Because there's always a story of addiction and pain. These are people dealing with opiate addictions coming up and down Aurora. In all the years, I had one person say no. When I said, can I pray with you? They're like, no. I'm like, all right then. Well, I'm going to anyway, but you go away and I'm going to pray for you. And they're like, fine. But you know, like most people are like, can I pray with you? They're like, yes, please. Because I need something. I need the power of God in my life. A prayer is an opportunity. I'm going to show, I think we have a clip to show that's going to work here in just a minute. Um, Damar Hamlin was a safety for Buffalo Bills, got injured on national TV. Some of you saw when this happened. Um, sociologists and people of faith have marked that when he was injured, because it was national TV, because it was a huge football game, because it was such high profile, it had happened decades before to a Pittsburgh Steeler, but it was the first time watching someone potentially be paralyzed on national TV, and the nation froze. And then in the days ahead, people started to talk about prayer in very public ways that they never had before. So this is Dan Orlovsky, one of the uh, commentators on ESPN, talking about DeMar Hamlin. And we're going to have a clip. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like... This is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And 
I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. Amen. And God answered the prayer. So Damar Hamlin, it wasn't paralysis. I'm sorry, I was misspoken. It was cardiac arrest. And he's walking and his heart is healing. Whether he'll play football again or not is actually not the point. That was national TV. To see those three commentators on ESPN praying to God gave me great hope. Because it's in our pain and our hunger for God to show up that there's an opportunity. And some of you are sitting on pains this morning. Some of you are like, Okay, that's, I, no one's on national TV for me, but I'm losing hope, or I'm sitting on an old pain, or I'm struggling to believe that prayer works. The journey of these weeks ahead, friends, is for us to, to go deeper into this hunger and to believe that Jesus does hear your prayers, that prayer is effective, and that God is going to be good to you, and God will heal you. And that's for the kind of the third point we want to wrap up here is to believe in the effectiveness in prayer. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, they didn't say again, Lord, teach us to preach, teach us to heal, teach us to serve. They just said, teach us to pray. To pray, the Greek there is these two combined words called prosiuki, which is typically the Greek word that the New Testament used, but as you unpack them, it's interesting. Pro means to be close with something, to be with. Uki means a desire, a vow, a deep-hearted longing. And so in this way, prayer means to be with desire, with a belief that God moves. Or as James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and is effective. See, prayer leads to healing and prayer leads to hope. Prayer is above all to be with our desire and believe that God hears us. One theologian, Gary Miller, says prayer is a means of communion with God, but far more often it is simply asking God to do what he has already promised to do. Or as Jesus said, prayer is the gateway of your life's desires found in me. Mark 11, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And I recognize how hard some of those words are for some of us in the room to digest because we've sat on prayers where we're still struggling to see how God is bringing those desires to fruition. Stay with me. We've got some weeks to do this. We're going to be going slow. But we're on a journey of becoming a praying church that believes that Jesus is Lord, that is hungry for him to teach us, and believing it is the tool of prayer that Jesus has right now for us as the gateway 
from the life we live to the life we desire. When I was in college, my brother and I got the opportunity to go to Jerusalem, and we went to go see the prayers of the Jewish people at the old city, at the temple wall, where they're, you know, the, the rabbis and the Hasidic Jews are, are writing prayers and tucking them in thousands of different cracks in the wailing wall. It's powerful. But the only way to get there is to go through the gateway. And don't think of like a gate like on your front, on your front you know, fence. The gates in old, old Jerusalem are open, but you have to pass through them from the Palestinian quarter to the Jewish quarter into the old city. And these gateways were these old you know, Roman arches of passageway. And to get into the intimacy with the prayer wall, you have to pass through the gateway. And all are invited. Prayer is like that. It's an invitation. It's a deepening. It's a big invitation that your prayers matter. And if you're sitting in this room or online and saying, Lord, teach me to pray because I'm stuck in my pain, or I'm stuck in my anxiety, or I'm stuck in this broken relationship, Jesus wants to do a work in us through the power of prayer. Prayer um, this is from Henry Nouwen. It's the discipline of the moment. When we pray, we enter into the presence of God, whose name is God, with us. To pray is to listen attentively to the one who addresses us here and now. If we could just be for a few minutes each day fully where we are, we would indeed discover that we are not alone and that the one who is with us wants only one thing, to give us love. So over these weeks, this series, can we discover together the one thing that Jesus wants? To say he's with us, to take a journey with us through our longings and our desires and our aches and pains and praises and all the things in between that we would be growing as a praying church, hungry to be taught more about the desire and presence of the Holy Spirit. So, what we're going to do now, I'm going to call the band back up. We're going to, uh, we're going to worship here in just a bit. But we're going to uh, actually, we're going to do a few prayer exercises together. I want our series to be really helpful and very practical. That we would be getting skills as a church on, on how do we become more of a praying church. Um, this comes from a uh, welcoming prayer by John Keating. We have a slide here. I'm going to share this. We're going to go into worship right now. This is just one practical tool over this series for some like, oh, I really like guided prayers because I can read it. I can read it over and over again. You could Google this from John Keating. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts and feelings and emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I welcome them. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. This is the welcoming prayer. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for prayer. Thank you that prayer is the gateway 
from where we're at to more of you in our lives. Thank you, God, for the words of my friend John who spoke prophetically that we are a praying church. Help us become hungry to continue to pray, every single one of us, Lord. Not watching someone talk about prayer, but being people who practice prayer. And give us tools and just a hunger and a desire over these weeks ahead to have a life marked with the practice of prayer. That we would find that invitation in the midst of the big disasters and little heartaches to be people praying more. To be a praying church. To be doing that together. Lord, we love you and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we're going to go into music right now. I'm going to pray, invite our prayer ministers to be stationed down front. All week long, our prayer ministers pray for this very moment. Um, they're praying for you, and they want to be resources to you. So as you stand and we go into worship, I want to invite you. If you've had prayers answered or specific things in your life as people of God, Please email me this week at Pastor Scott at Church BCC. I want to know how God's been moving in your life through prayers. Maybe we could tell some of those stories in the weeks ahead. Has God been doing anything in your prayer life? Share it with me. We'd love to share it with the community. As we go into worship here, I'm going to invite you um, to, to pray. So we're going to be singing, and then for every one of us, there's a step to take. Some of you are just going to sit. And you're going to be quiet as you pray. And there's something that you're going to be sharing with God that's an invitation. For some, you might choose to kneel. And I know it's a little bit awkward, but in the kneeling, you're, you're declaring that God is the Lord of your life. For some, you're going to step down and pray with friends who would love to pray with you. And you can be as simple or as detailed as possible. Can you pray for my kid, my mom, my friend? For others, you might choose to come down and pray down front here. Some of you might continue to stand and put your hands out. But we're going to be a praying church. And what happens as you start to move is we see God moving through his people. The world tells you you're alone. It's a lie. And so as we pray together, we're reminded together, we are a praying church together. So let us enter into prayer. We're going to pray silently for about 30 seconds, and then the band will start to sing, and then there's just an invitation. Sit, kneel, come forward, prayer team, lift your hands, all of us being God's people, praying together. Lord, teach us to pray. Hear the prayers of your people right now, Lord.